Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and look, you know, I had, I had a bit of time with him and sort of found out a little bit more about how he, how he was feeling about his own game. And he, and he kind of said, look, I want to be in the conversation now when big tournaments come around for England. He was a little bit gutted that he didn't make the, the World Cup squad, but he kind of knew that his form wasn't good enough and that other players deserved to be there. Yeah, I mean, that ruthless trait was the thing he got criticised about, probably a little bit under Dean Smith, certainly under, under Steven Gerrard, and maybe a little bit at the start of Emery's tenure as well. But since the World Cup, it feels like he's worked on, on certain things. We know he, he works hard, you know, he, he hires coaches in his, in his own time to, to go through striking drills with him. But he has developed that ruthless streak in the second part of, of the season, and that's been the thing that sets him apart. Ollie Watkins fits in for me, probably somewhere in between um, Christian Benteke and, and Tammy Abraham. I think that, that those are the three strikers that I've enjoyed watching the most uh, in the Villa shirt and certainly have performed the best in, in my time covering the club. Obviously, I'm aware of you know all the strikers that played for Villa previously, but um, not so many of them were, were under my watch uh, as a journalist. The 1874 Show by the Villa View. Hello, welcome to the 1874 show on the Villa View. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics' Greg Evans to talk all things Aston Villa and sometimes talking about people's internet not working as well. This show is sponsored by Luke Roper. If you want to get 20% off everything they have to offer, then use the code TVV20 and you'll get 20% off everything, including their new range that they've just bought out. Greg, international break, but I'm sure you're still busy as ever. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Dan. Yeah, very, uh, hello to everyone listening. Yeah, very busy, actually. Uh, working on a couple of stories that, that hopefully can get done before the end of the week on The Athletic. Um, we're currently speaking as Jacob Ramsey is captaining the England under-21s, aren't we? Uh, they are yeah. playing tonight, I believe. Uh, I was at the game on Saturday doing the um, under-21s versus France. Uh, but, you know, Jacob Ramsey came off the bench and was excellent. So, yeah, been keeping quite busy, mate. Yeah, yeah, nice little finish from him as well, adding to the goal he'd scored the week before for Villa. We're going to do a special show 
tonight. You may notice my shirts in the background. I mean, this is useless if you're listening via audio only, but I have a Dwight York and a Juan Pablo Angel shirt behind me, Greg. And I've done this on purpose because today we're going to look at Ollie Watkins and where he fits in terms of Aston Villa's best ever Premier League strikers. Now we've got some stats that we'll have on through the show. I know you're very into your stats at the moment, Greg. Every piece that you write nowadays has got some stats in there. So this will be right up your alley at the moment. We've got AVFC Stato probably in the chat as well, who's kindly provided us with those stats from his database. So we thank him very much. But just off the top of your head, Greg, Again, I ask you every week. can't remember when you started covering Villa. I think it was when Tim Sherwood came in, wasn't it? In terms of just all-round strikers since Tim Sherwood came in, how have you found Ollie Watkins as Villa's main man? And, and what do you know about him? Maybe stuff that people wouldn't know behind the scenes. Yeah, I think I think Ollie Watkins fits in, for me, probably somewhere in between um, Christian Benteke and, and Tammy Abraham. I think that those are the three strikers that I've enjoyed watching the most. Uh, in a Villa shirt and certainly have performed the best in, in my time covering the club. Obviously, I'm aware of you know all the strikers that played for Villa previously, but um, not so many of them were, were under my watch uh, as a journalist. But I think with Watkins, the he, he's just finding a much more ruthless streak now. I think with, with Tammy, for example, in, in the Championship, he used to get a lot of chances, didn't he? Um, and... After well, I mean, he scored so scored over twenty five goals in the championship, which was incredible. I remember him being awarded that that um, that medal on the pitch uh, for the for the last home game um, in the championship. But he used to get a lot of chances, didn't he? Whereas with Watkins now, I think he's developed you know this ruthless streak. There was, there was a stat that was doing the rounds earlier in the week. Um, whereas out of the top five or six um, leagues in Europe. Out of every striker that's had more than fifty shots, Watkins has got the highest shot accuracy. So he's 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 certainly improved his game. He's worked on a lot of stuff behind the scenes, which we can maybe go into a little bit later. Um, I think he's you know reaping the rewards now. Yeah, I mean that ruthless streak was the thing he got criticised about, probably a little bit under Dean Smith, certainly under under Stephen Gerrard, and maybe a little bit at the start of Emery's tenure as well. But since the World Cup. It feels like he's worked on on certain things. We know he he works hard. You know he he hires coaches in his in his own time to to go through striking drills with him. But he has developed that ruthless streak in the second part of of the season, and that's been the thing that sets him apart. Also, his first season, I feel he was very very good in that in that lockdown season when you you know you'd have watched him live every week, but none of us were able to do that at the time. He was very very effective that season. Scored a lot of goals. I think he had a drought of 10 games or something at one point, but he was still offering an awful lot to the team. Last season felt like, not not a wasted year, but he, he felt, I felt like he struggled more so than he did in the first season. And the fact that Dan, Danny Ings came in, I think disrupted him a little bit. And now it's funny now that Danny Ings has gone, that he seems to thrive on just being that one striker, being that main man option, doesn't he? I think he does actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, you speak to different players and they have different opinions on um, whether they want competition. And, and sometimes strikers actually like knowing that if they don't perform that well, they're going to lose their place. So that motivates them more, um, and they become a little bit more selfish. But with Watkins, I, I do think that he he likes the fact that he knows he's going to be playing pretty much every week. He knows that he's the the main man, and he's actually delivering at the same time, which is really important. Um, I feel like he's just become a little bit more selfish as well, whereas he used to do a lot of other people's running, didn't he? If you look at him now, he's a little bit more selective with his runs. 
Um, that gives him, you know, perhaps the energy uh, to, you know, to really come alive when he needs to. Um, and yeah, the one little bit, bit of information when he, before the before this preseason, um, you know, he, he was one of the only players to to go back to Bodymore Heath a little bit earlier. Um, he he brought his striker coach with him, a finishing a finishing coach, um, and just worked for a couple of days, literally on just finishing um, and just getting ready for for that preseason. Now you could probably look at it and think, well. He didn't start the, very, the first half of the season very well, but that just shows his attitude and how much he's, you know, determined to become a real top elite striker. Which you know he's not too far off now. No, I mean his record in, so far this season is outstanding. But if you look at the record in recent months, it, it's up there as, as one of the best in the Premier League. We've had some comments through one on Facebook. Steve Webster, Ollie is a more complete modern forward than the two you've mentioned. Not as much an out and out striker but much more involved. And David Stiles says Watkins has got all the tools to be talked about next to York, Dublin, Carew and Juan Pablo Angel. His all-round game is arguably better already. It's just about consistency. Now, we're going to try and rank him in, in these strikers. So we have a new producer today. Neil Dunworth has stepped in because Adam's unavailable. Neil, you will know from this channel, he comes on as himself and, and talks about Aston Villa with us and has his own channel as well for the love of Paul McGrath. But Neil is sitting in the producer's chair. To be honest, he hasn't got to do a lot to be better than Adam, in, in all honesty. If he puts a graphic on the screen that I ask for, this, this is an outstanding start. And there we go. Here it is straight away. Neil one, Adam nil. So in terms of top scoring Aston Villa Premier League strikers, I'm going to reel these off because obviously some people are listening to this via audio only. So number one is Gabby Agbonlahor with 74 goals. He played a lot of games for Aston Villa, of course. Number two is Dwight York. He had 60 goals. This is Premier League goals only for Aston Villa, and we've only included strikers, by the way. Number three is Dion Dublin, which is 48. I'm being told that I'm being told that actually the graphic cannot be seen now, so it's not one nil to nil at all. AVFC Stato saying we can't see the graphic, but I'll carry on anyway. Number three is Dion Dublin with 48. Number four, Juan Pablo Angel with 44. Number five is Christian Benteke with 42. Number six, Julian Jochim with 39. Number seven is Dean Saunders. Oh, now I can't see the list. This is making for, <laughs> making for a great podcast. Number seven is Dean Saunders on 38. Eight, John Carew, 37. Nine is Darius Vassell on 35. And then sneaking into the top 10 is Ollie Watkins with 34. So Ollie's just made it into the top 10. The only other player, incidentally, that was in that top 10 was Gareth Barry with 41, I think, but we've taken him out because obviously he's a midfielder and we only want to look at forwards. So what's interesting with this, Greg, is that Ollie Watkins obviously isn't finished, whereas the nine above are yeah, finished. Yeah. Where would you expect him to end up? In terms, let's say he stays, he's got, he's got another couple of years left on his, on his contract, Ollie Watkins. By this time next year, You'd feasibly say he should be in the top three of all-time Villa Premier League goal scorers. Yeah, I mean, still a tough ask, isn't it, to get fifteen goals in in the next twelve months? I mean, it's, it's a good return that is. So. Is, it, is it though? Do you think? Do you genuinely yeah. think that that it is? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough ask to keep scoring goals. You know, he he's can he, he's broke records this year with with, with his goal scoring form, and and you know, look at the look at the amount he scored already this season. So, you know, it's really really difficult to keep scoring. Um, and Villa will be high, will be signing another striker in in the summer, so there'll be additional competition. Um, you know whether Watkins plays alongside the new guy, or, or slips down to the bench, or or, or they re rotate. You know we don't know yet. We'll, we'll wait and see. But 
Yeah, I think it's tough us to get another 15 goals to get him into the top three in the next 12 months. But if he stays at the club for the next two, three seasons, I think, you know, he, he, he will be starting to look at that uh, figure of Gabby, uh, Gabby Bonhoor because he's, what, 30 behind now? Yeah, around, around. It was Gabby. Yeah. I'm not going to get I'm not going to let me get it up on my phone so I can, so yeah, I can have seven, it. You know, it's 34 and, and 74. So, yeah, 40 behind. But over three seasons, perhaps, can you do that? I, I think so. I think um, I think he's got every chance. I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I, and so does Ad in the comments as well. He's saying if he's progressing, it shouldn't be that tough. I mean, it's not twelve months essentially, is it? Because obviously there's a you know there's a, there's a summer in there. The rate he's going at the, at the moment, and the way Emery's changed his game and has made him more of that penalty box player. I, I do take your point that if Villa sign a striker, Watkins actually may become more in the in the kind of Bailey role, mainly floating a little bit more wide, and the other strikers. Asked to, to stay in the box more, so his his role may change, but I just think he's got that got that confidence at the, at the moment. He's got he's got that rhythm. Doesn't really look like it, it's going anywhere at the moment. I mean, I'm cursing him now, and he won't score for ten games. But I feel like something's clicked with him, and that, that something's changed, and he has got that ruthless streak that you talk of. Yeah, I sat, I sat down with him for uh, quite le- at length um, in. November, just before the, just well, during the World Cup, it was when when Villa were over in Dubai, and you know, I had breakfast with him and, and did an interview after. So, what, what did they have for bit... breakfast? <laughs> you just had a coffee, actually. <laughs> yeah, they'd, they'd already, and it was just me eating, actually. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, you I had some breakfast. I just had eggs on toast on that, though. I saw one of your breakfasts the other day. It was obscene, by the way, but it will carry on. You sent me a picture of what you had to eat. It was oh, absolutely yeah, obscene. Was, uh... Yeah, that was a, an all-you-can-eat buffet-type breakfast. Love that. Yeah. Anyway, back to Ollie Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yeah, and look, you know, I had, I had a bit of time with him and sort of found out a little bit more about how he, how he was feeling about his own game. And he, and he kind of said, look, I want to be in the conversation now when big tournaments come around for England. He was a little bit gutted that he didn't make the, the World Cup squad, but he kind of knew that his form wasn't good enough and that other players deserved to be there. And at the time, if you remember, Callum Wilson obviously was the was the third short striker going, who went to the the World Cup, and some a player I really rate actually, and I thought, I was glad to see him go, not necessarily ahead of Watkins, but you know for England because because I think he's an excellent finisher when he's fit. But Wilson now has had the car, he's having the second the kind of um, form in the second half of the season as Watkins was having in the first half of the season, um, and the roles have, have flipped around, but. Look at the you know the English players we've got now: Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, even Tony and Ollie Watkins. I mean, they're scoring so many goals between them in the Premier League. They're all you know in, in, in very very good form. So there's plenty of options. And Saka as well scoring a lot of goals, isn't he, for Arsenal too? Um, but I think I think Watkins is now in those conversations. You know, he might not be getting the recognition that he fully deserves yet, but. He's certainly in the conversations again now, and that's what he was aiming for. So there's been big progress for him over the last three or four months. He's playing with a smile on his face. You can see that he's happy. Um, I've spoke to him after a couple of games, and you know he's, he's laughing every time he sees me. He said, "You know, I told you this is what I was trying to do. This is what I was aiming for." So it's working for him, um, and he's got the chance to break another record at this weekend. You know, to become the first player, the f- first you know ever uh, Villa player to score um, in five consecutive away games. Now Dwight York was okay. the Dwight York was the, the the last player to score in four consecutive um, away games before Watkins. So you know Watkins can rewrite history again this weekend. And 
as we've spoken about in the past, he's missing a goal against Chelsea, isn't he? He's record against the top six, you know, the the big six, as they're more traditionally known. Um, he, he's excellent. I think he's got 14 goals um, in two and a half seasons, but he hasn't scored a goal against Chelsea yet. So that's the one he's missing. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think we had a um, we had a really good we had a good first half against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. I think it was last season. Watkins and Ings were playing as a pair. I remember him missing a big chance yeah. in the first half, and Villa went on to lose three 0 So he'll, he'll want to put that right. And you know, you wouldn't bet against him putting it right at the moment. Really controversial comment in the in the chat from Steve eighty two ish here, Greg. I feel this summer is the perfect time for us to move Ollie on whilst his stock is high, and we could make a profit for financial fair play. Surely that's not something that Villa will be even considering, even though I think he's only got two years left on his contract. I've I've read a I've read a lot of comments actually of, of Villa fans saying it's you know saying similar things. Um, I say I strongly disagree with that. Just to caveat, I disagree it. because I don't think Villa could replace him. I don't think they could get a strike. I don't think they could get a striker. Um, well, they're going to need two strikers if they sell Watkins. But I don't think they could get two strikers better than Watkins. No, um, you know they're going to be pushed to get one. And they're going to have to spend a serious amount of money to get to get him. But I think it would be a risk to sell Watkins and uh, replace him. I, I, I agree with you. But I, feel... I, can, I can, you know, I can, I can understand the logic behind it. If you sign a player for twenty-eight million pounds, he produces for you for three seasons. It will be at the end of this season, and then you sell him on for double, perhaps, which is what he's worth now. You know, he's over. He's an over fifty million pound player if he's scoring this amount of, this amount of goals. So if a club comes in and, and, and bids over £50 million, perhaps Villa might you know look at it if they back themselves in the market to get a better replacement. But I think it'd be a risk. I don't think Villa could, I don't think Villa could find one. There's no reference to go, I would say, would be the other thing. I hate Arsenal linked every now and again. I think he's well, a great I mean, player. You know, he, the, he's not going Arsenal. Arsenal. I, I don't think so. No. It, 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 and he's not, not going to play very, very often if he does, is he? No, there's no, there's no effort to go, Ollie Watkins, and I would be, I'd be very upset if Villa sold him, especially now when it feels like everything's completely clicking for him as well. It would be bizarre to cash in on him at, at this point. Unai Emery seems to really, really like him as well. I don't know how much you know about that, Greg, but Unai Emery seems he feels to me like he's a, a big fan of Ollie Watkins, and you only have to look at the, look at the turnaround. You know, they'll they'll both probably be loving each other at the moment. Yeah, he's yeah, the managers enjoying working with Watkins. He he. When he first came, he um, set out a couple of routines where there was three or four scenarios where he and match day scenarios where he thought he would regularly get into, and told Watkins to work on those, which he which he has been doing. And I think it was the first game that he, no, sorry, the second game that he played away at Man United in the cup, he scored from one of those scenarios. So Watkins immediately knew that the manager was knew knew his game and what he was talking about, um, and you know they've obviously enjoyed working with each other since. Emery's obviously very demanding, you know, we know that. And um that there have been times where, you know, the manager has, has dug out players in, in front of um in front of the teammates for not uh, for not sticking to various tasks. So even the strikers know exactly what they've got to be doing defensively. And, you know, Emery always speaks about defending first. You've got to defend from the top to make sure we get a clean sheet. Um, even though Watkins is the, the go to guy and, and if it wasn't for his goals, Villa would be significantly lower in the table because that's probably the one issue at Villa at the moment, isn't it? If Watkins doesn't score, typically no one else does. 
Yeah, there's not many players who've scored over one goal this season. I think Brenda, yeah, Bailey, and Ramsey are the only one. Louise as well. Yeah, there's not many, yeah, is there? They're, the they're all under five goals, five or under. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the that's the concern. Look, that last time out, the three 0 went over Bournemouth was a bit different, and hopefully a sign of how it's going because Emery wants his player, you know, the players to share the goals around. But for Watkins, yeah. you know, he's just got to continue being selfish and taking those shots when when they come. There was a point during his record-breaking run um, of consecutive goals where he'd scored with three of his last three shots, which is you know incredible. We we used to talk about a striker that missed too many opportunities, but He's, you know, definitely changed. Yeah, he's, you know, on, on the England front as well. I think Kane and Rashford are absolute gimmies in the England squad at the moment. And this, I make it that there's three spaces for players who can play up front. So Rashford obviously can play wide as well. So Kane and Rashford are always going to be there. But then at the moment, it's a straight shootout between Tony and, and Ollie Watkins. Uh, at the moment, I, I think, to be fair, Tony's been very, very consistent all season and the second half of last season. So I think he deserves his spot in the side at the moment. But I think Ollie Watkins is the next cab off the rank. To, to be honest, I think he's the next in line. And I think Southgate's a big fan of him as well. So don't be surprised to see him back in the England squad at some point because he, he's Southgate's a big fan. And I do believe he's the next in line. Now, I won't ask Neil to put the graphic up because everyone said they couldn't see it last time, but we will get them added in, in post-production very professional. I mean, I'm speaking like we're absolute experts in the field, but as we can't get the graphic to work live at the time, we're obviously not experts in the field at all. So in terms of minutes per goal, Ollie Watkins is actually ahead of Juan Pablo Angel in terms of minutes to goal per goal, Greg. Are you, are you surprised by that? Um, no, not really. I was surprised by that. He, he had a lot of games where he didn't score goals, so... Um, no, I mean, you know, Watkins has been pretty consistent under, other than the first half of this season. He has regularly scored goals for Villa. And we can see the graphic, according to AVFC Stata, oh, as well. Good. So I'll just Thanks. read them Thanks out. Thanks for the feedback. We, uh, we, yeah. we get in there. Yeah, we, we, we make, look at, look at Neil, the legend, becoming a producer in his own right now on the Villa View. I'll just read them out again for, for the audio listeners. So Christian Benteke is number one. His minutes per goal is at 146.46. Dwight York is at number two with 160.88. John Carew, number three, 172.24. Dion Dublin, 174.18. Fifth is Julian Joachim, who I think is a very underrated striker in his time at Villa, 175.53. Ollie Watkins then comes in at six, 183.11. Juan Pablo Angel beneath him, 205.67. Eight is Darius Vassell, 215.33. Number nine is Dean Saunders, 220.34. And then Gabriel Bonlehoer, our all-time Premier League record goalscorer, is number 10 in goals per minute, 242.62. I've, Angel had a couple of absolutely outstanding seasons. The Villa one and uh, it was the John Gregory and then Graham Taylor and then the David O'Leary first season. So... I, I was actually a little bit surprised to see Ollie Watkins in at number at number six, Greg. But again, you'd expect in the next few years he's he's going to probably get that down and and move up the rankings. Yeah, I mean you got to keep scoring, haven't you? It's difficult. Sometimes the more games you play, the harder it becomes. I mean, you just see Ben Teke up there at the top. It was incredible. He's a joke. He? he was in a poor was, side as well. Yeah, he was. He was a one in two player, weren't he? You know, I remember Tim Sherwood saying at the time. Um, 
when he re- revealed in a press conference that there was a buyout clause um, in, in his contract, which, you know, I mean, people in football obviously knew, but, you know, the, the wider footballing world didn't um, at that point. So, yeah, you know, he, he could have gone anywhere, couldn't he, Ben Teki at that point? He literally could have gone to any... Club. I had the wrong move. Mm, but, you know, Liverpool appealed to him for a lot of reasons. Um, so, you know, you know, you can look back at it in hindsight and say, well, he should have gone somewhere else. But at the time, it really appealed for him. Um, so I can understand why he went. But yeah, looking looking at Watkins there ahead of Angel. Um, again, in another interview I did with, with Angel, uh, I can't name any names, but I remember him saying that uh, his goal-scoring record would have been a lot better if he had some decent players alongside him. And there were, okay, there, were actually, uh, there were actually a couple of players that he named, uh, as a, again, I won't say who, um, oh. who he said uh, didn't even deserve to, be a Premier League player, so um, can't for the life of me think who we'll be talking about. Well, they'll have to stay private, unfortunately. I, uh, I told, I said that I would never reveal who he said. Um, it was all, it was all done in, in in private. So the worst thing is, I know you won't even tell me after the show. That's the worst <laughs> thing. The worst thing about you, you are very, you are very good at keeping secrets. I know oh, you won't. But it's tell part me. of the, it's part of the job. You know, you have to have private conversations with people, and if for people to trust you in in the future, it, you know these these conversations have to remain private. Let me know in the so, comments. Yeah, I've, I've teased it a little bit there, and. Um, I think if you have a look through the squads, you'll, you'll you'll come to your own conclusions. I can say I, I, maybe I'm thinking too much about the seasons where he played every week and he did well, and we had a decent team. And there was a couple of seasons where he didn't really get a look in, and we did have some poor players in in that side. And he was he wasn't really part of that team. Graham Taylor didn't really play. In in fairness, so that's that'll be that'll be interesting. And David Styles said Chatham House rules. I don't even know what that means. Is that what is that? Do you know what that means, Greg? Sorry, repeat that. Chath- Chatham House rules keeping secrets. I don't even know. I don't even know what that means. No, sorry, lost lost me on yeah, that. <laughs> we just really yeah. yeah well, it's, it's looking like it, isn't it? It's looking <laughs> like potentially we're, we're we're both very thick. Let's just look at the goals per game, and this is the one that that really surprised me. If Neil can get the graphic, and you let me know in the comments that you can see it, that would be absolutely wonderful. So, in terms of goals per game, Ollie Watkins is actually second, Greg. In, for Aston Villa Premier League strikers, again, I I wouldn't have expected that, but I, I, I love seeing it. He's obviously boosted himself in the in in the last few weeks. For, but for him to be sitting second in that list, that's a he's ahead of Dwight. He's a, just a edged ahead of Dwight York now, Greg. I mean, you say edged ahead, Dan. So it's, uh, the the more games he plays, the more impressive that figure will be. It's he's probably the reason he's there is because he's played you know fewer amounts of games than than others. Um, so, you know, we'll go back to Benteke again and, and there was the proof, you know, he, he was literally a one in two striker almost there, you know. Well, Watkins has now been at the club around the same amount of time Benteke was at the end of this season. He lived in three seasons like Benteke did. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, but I'm saying some of the other ones, but, um, the, the, the Benteke figure is just ridiculous, you know, he's, he's a one in two striker. So, mm. um, you know, you're just not going to find that regularly as a Villa player, unfortunately, and, and if you do that, sadly, they just get snapped up by a bigger club, don't they? That's that's how it worked with Benteke. Um, yeah. and, and look, if Watkins had those figures, I'm sure he would be interested in other clubs as well. Okay, let's just read the list again for the for the audio listeners. So Christian Benteke, in terms of goals per game for Aston Villa Premier League strikers, he's top with 0.47. Watkins is second with 0.35. Dwight York, third, 0.34. Dean Saunders, fourth, 0.34. 
John Carew, 5, 0.33. Dion Dublin, 6, 0.30. Julian Joachim, 7th, 0.28. Eight, Juan Pablo Angel, 0.25. Number nine, Gabby Agbonlahor, 0.23. And number 10 is Darius Vassell at 0.22. Now, if we could just get the graphic up of the all-time Premier League top goal scorers, we're going to see if we can actually get this to work on the podcast. Again, in the chat, let me know if you can see this this time. I just, I, I find it, I find that list really, really, you said, I think that's a low list. But the amount of seasons Villa have spent in the Premier League and the amount of strikers Villa have had, Greg, yeah. all round, those numbers are, aren't great. Like Gab, Gabby's probably relatively safe for, for a few years. And if Villa were to get rid of Watkins, he'd be extremely safe. And he's just sat there for ages. York must have been, has been in the top three for, for too long, really, on 60, hasn't he? You'd expect you know, that list. That, that, I just think the numbers aren't as high as man. Maybe there should be for for other other teams who've been in yeah, Premier League the I same mean, amount of time as Villa. I don't think those numbers are that high. <clears throat> yeah, perhaps. I mean, look, you know, it's hard, isn't it? Because one, you've got to keep scoring the goals, you know, consistently yeah. every single year. And then two, you've got to be at the club for a very long time. So you, you have to be at the club for sort of over four or five years to, to get into the top two, three. Definitely the top. I suppose football's third. changed, hasn't it, in terms you, of players you know, just but don't a lot stay. of those strikers will have been there a while. Yeah, players just don't stay at clubs, you know, that long anymore. So it's difficult if as I say, if you've got a striker that's scoring 17, 18, 19, 20 goals a season consistently for three seasons, there's there's gonna be a, a bigger club interested in him. So it's just hard it's just harder to to get those numbers, Gabby's record, you know, actually, he's not that bad, is he? I mean, he, he's got a record, he's, he's, he's very good, but you know, 0.25 goals per game that's one in four, so it's not actually that bad. He did spend a lot of once O'Neill left, he basically was playing as a left winger as well. He, he very rarely played played centrally, Gabby, after, after O'Neill left. I suppose teams playing two up front that used to help as well. Maybe that's where Villa will come alive in the next few years because we do play two up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you, you'd expect somebody to come in to almost replace Bailey or you know, as a starter. So it'd be interesting to see whether it's Watkins and another striker up there or, or Watkins and a, and a wide type player. That'll be interesting, um, over the summer. Have you heard? I mean, you're not going to answer the question that I'm about to ask. Have you, have you heard any names for Villa strikers in the summer? Tammy no, Abraham's one that keeps coming up. I don't know whether that's a lazy link or not. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Tammy Abraham will obviously be well-liked um, by the owners, by Christian Perslow, because they would know him from, from his time at Villa previously. So he's somebody who, who of course, he's going to have some sort of appeal. I don't know whether Emery, um, you know, wants to try and sign him. I, I, I don't know at this point. Um, all I know from conversations that I've had is that he's set he's set some very ambitious targets of, of players that he would like to get. Um, you know, we we know that Athletic Bilbao's Nico Williams is is um, is a target as well, not necessarily a striker, but somebody'd like for, for those wide positions. But mm. um, I think Villa are going to be well. Certainly, certainly Emery is very very ambitious. Whether Villa can pull off a deal to get one of those players over the line, I think might be a little bit more difficult. So it might come to come to a, a stage where he maybe has to. Just lower his expectations a little bit, and because you know he, the players that he's looking at are, are some real top level players. ABFC Stato's given us some gold in the comments with players that have over fifteen goal contributions in the Premier League for Aston Villa. Danny Ings has the best minutes to goal contributions ratio at one hundred and forty three point two six per goals contribution. 
that again, I find That's that quite, yeah, quite yeah. surprising. Yeah, goal contributions, yeah. goals, and assist, goals, goals and, and goals assists, and assists, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So actually, it's, that um, doesn't surprise me because he did get a lot of assists and didn't play too often, did he? So uh, you know, in and out, I would describe his time as. But yeah, I just I, I think Villa did the right thing moving him on in the end. You know that that twelve million potentially rising up to fifteen million will go towards a new striker. And look, you know we, we know Villa are owned by two billionaires, but um, and they're willing to invest money into the club continuously. But you know you still got to move players on and 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 um, um, you know raise funds to to help signings as well. Can't just keep investing money. No, I'm just trying to think where I would rank him. In my would he be in my top five Premier League strikers for Villa? Because the top two is a given. I think with with York and Benteke, they're the they're the two best for me. And then probably underneath that, you've got Angel Dublin. I feel like I'm missing. I feel like I may be missing someone here, but Angel and Angel and Dublin would probably be the ones that leap out to me to to come underneath. And I did really like Julian Jochim. I thought he was an underrated finisher in his time at, at Villa and a, an underrated player. Watkins over the next year or two, he's probably got a chance to come in that rung just below York and Benteke. I put them in the same, mm-hmm. in the same like just absolutely class category. I loved watching both both of them. Dwight York made my childhood very very happy, scoring goals for Aston Villa, and Benteke made what was a miserable time being a Villa fan bearable just by the way he he played the game. So Carew and Gabby as well. I've got I, I do have a lot of time for Gabby. <laughs> It's, you can't really overlook the fact that he is Villa's, Villa's top goal scorer in, in Premier League history. Just but Watkins has got a chance. Basically, the good thing for him is now he's got a chance over the next year or two to yeah, get himself really up all those tables yeah. that we've shown. He's got a good got a good chance. He could he could feasibly be in the top three, top four all time Premier League goal scorers for Aston Villa, and that's good. For, for 20, the twenty eight million yeah. that the Villa spent was money well spent. A hundred percent. You know, it was it was a lot of money at the time, but. When you look at the, the other strikers that Villa have bought under um, Wes Edens and, and Nassif Suiris, you know, Watkins is the standout player. He spent £22 million on Wesley. Unfortunately, that didn't work. He had a you know, terrible, terrible injury, one of the worst that medical staff yeah. at, at the club have ever seen. So he, he just wasn't the same player after that. That was disappointing. Obviously, Samata came in as you know one of the only players that was one of the only strikers who was available on the market at that point. Villa tried... You know, so hard to get Giroud and Slimani and, and other players like that, and just they couldn't, they just couldn't get a striker in. So they they had to take some matter to to top up the numbers, as well as Borja Baston, of course. And you know we've we've mentioned Danny Ings, Tammy Abraham was another striker signed on loan, um, you know during this this ownership regime. So you're looking at Watkins; he's the real standout striker over the last five years. They they invested heavily in him. Twenty-eight million pound, and it shows you can actually go down to the championship. You don't have to. I want to ask you. you don't that. have to go abroad and pick someone out who's, um, you know, got all this potential. You can look at the championship and see an upcoming player who's scored for a couple of seasons and gone on a journey himself and wants to join Villa and continue that journey. And 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 you know that's what Villa have done. They've given opportunities to players and they've now made their international debuts. Matty Cash, Emmy Martinez. Ollie Watkins, you know, these are all players that had interest from other clubs, but Villa told them, come to us, you know, we'll take you on this journey, and, it, and it's worked for them. They're all players that had played in the Championship. Emmy had spent a lot of time in the Championship. You know, Emmy Buendia had played in the, in the Championship as, as well. I'm a, I think there's, there's value to be had 
in 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 the championship, and it's something you used to see a bit more of. You think of some of the most effective signings in Premier League history. An example: like Tim Cahill at Everton played for Everton yeah. for probably nearly a decade, one and a half million. I know times have changed, but he he was absolutely brilliant. I do still think if you look down in the championship, there's some very good footballers. I guess Villa's thing used to be to go to Brentford and pick players off. <laughs> we we can't do that anymore. We whatever tries we might, Brentford are ahead of us now in in, in the Premier League. Even though we finally beat them this season, we just Brentford seem to have something over. Us, it would be love to go and take Ivan Tony off them, in all honesty. But probably we're not capable of, of doing that now because probably clubs that you look at as being at a, at a similar level certainly they're having a, a fantastic season. But I agree with you. I, don't, I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head other than Brereton Diaz really that you know is there a is there that striker in the Championship? I suppose Villa have a striker scoring a lot of goals in the Championship. Don't probably they? one of the best. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, you, um, you know, look at Chubrak Pom. Obviously, he's. Had to go on a different journey himself. He's been back and forth, started at Arsenal and it didn't quite go to plan, but now he's the Championship's top goal scorer. But, you know, you're almost put off, aren't you? Thinking, well, would he be any better than, than Watkins? And probably at this moment, no. And that no. maybe brings us on to Archer just ever so slightly. So I've written a little bit about him in The Athletic this week. Um, I do think Villa would be a little bit foolish to to let him go permanently this summer. Of course. I don't, don't know what they'll do yet. Um, the, the most sensible option sounds like sending him out on loan again, perhaps to, um, you know, the ideal situation would be Middlesbrough get promoted and, and they want to take him on loan again um, or, or, or even put in a very big bid to, to sign him permanently. Although I still, there's just a part of me that thinks he needs a little run in the team just to see if he can do it. Because he's met Especially every playing challenge. two up top. Yeah, I just feel like last season he met every challenge, you know, he's, he scored lots of goals in the cup competitions for Villa when when he when he played. Um, he went on loan to Preston, scored goals there. He scored goals for England under twenty ones. He's scoring goals now for Middlesbrough. Just feel like he does deserve a chance at some point, but it's going to be really hard because he's not better than Ollie Watkins. He's not going to be better than the striker Villa bring in over the summer. So automatically, at best, he's third choice striker, perhaps even fourth if you put him behind John Duran, who scored for Columbia today. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be. Well, a, it's going I, to be I, tough I take your point, but, but why not? Why not? If we're playing two up front, I know the one striker operates slightly differently. If you're playing two up front, why not have four strikers? Why not have those options to bring off the bench? It, it, you've got you five. You've got five subs. Arteta's done a lot of stuff around this. Arsenal, you know, he's not. I don't, he's not calling them substitutes at the moment. I can't remember what he's calling them, but he's not calling his players that are sub substitutes because they're still coming on and getting substantial game time. The game's completely changed now with his five subs. You can, you've got the flexibility to, to use people. I think that, especially when two of them are young as well. It just won't happen. The the, the the four strikers, they just won't get, the, the, there'll be one, it may be two of them, they just won't get enough minutes and they just won't feel like there's a point of them being there almost. You know, if Archer stays yeah. for another season at Villa and, and he's just used you know, for five or ten minutes here and there, he's going to lose all his momentum again. That's what happened in the funny first one with Archer. It really is a, f- a funny one. It's really one with difficult, it. and I've tried to yeah, write as much as I can around it. So the, the article I wrote this week goes into a lot more detail about it, and you know goes through all the the options that perhaps Villa might have and that Archer might have. Um, I watched him for England under twenty ones on Saturday, and he struggled a little bit to be honest up against two really tall um, uh, young French defenders. Um, so it was difficult for him, but you know you can't judge him on one game, of course. Uh, so yeah, I just think. He's going to be hard for him, and I do. But I do think 
that he does deserve that chance at some point just to have a run to see if he can score the goals in the Premier League. That's the only thing he hasn't done yet. It's a real tough one for the club and it's a real tough one for him. Can you imagine if Middlesbrough got promoted and Villa had loaned him to Middlesbrough for the season and suddenly he scores 15, 20 goals in the Premier League? The club will get absolutely slighted. Well, what if they let, what if they let him go on, go on loan to Middlesbrough? I know he wouldn't be able to play against Villa, but you know, if he was scoring goals in the Premier League, the club would get absolutely piled I'm not on. Sure actually, Dan, I'm, not, I'm not sure they would. That, that if, he, if, he, if that scenario unfolded, and Middlesbrough got promoted and wanted to take him on loan again, and he did really well for them. I think, actually, that's the best thing that can happen because Villa then know 100% they've got a striker who can score Premier League goals, and they just take him back then. Yeah, but then you still have the same or, problem. But but if he scored in the Premier League, he's he's reached a new level and he's shown that, he, that maybe he's going to be ahead of somebody then at that point. Yeah, I just think it's, it would be... You're then still going to be in the same situation where you've got the, got the four strikers because just Villa are still going to bought a striker, aren't they? So the, the thing that you're saying is a problem if it happens this summer would still be a problem the next summer. It feels a real bizarre one. It does feel bizarre. I mean, that that's the you know it's a it's a good thing though. It's good it's good to have the yeah, options of because Villa want to produce more of their players, more of their own players. They need to become more self sustainable. Um, so look, if they've got a player who you know could could fetch. What, 10, 15 million if they sold him? Is that 15 million maybe too much? I don't know. You know, the value of players now is he's crazy. He for Davis, wasn't it, after his loan? It's hard, it's hard to know, isn't it? But, you know, if you can be producing players, the Villa have got five players who are playing in the Championship at the moment. You know, get £25 million for those players and that could be used to, to, um, to, to, to fund new signings. But, you know, hopefully they might integrate one or two of them at some point. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The, the most amazing thing about Cameron Archer is no one had really heard anything about him. He wasn't one that anyone particularly had high hopes for. I don't think he had a, a couple of loan spells, didn't he, or one loan spell that didn't go brilliantly. Suddenly scoring a hat-trick in the in the Carabao Cup. And, and you know, like you say, I think the most impressive thing about him is he scored at every level. Every chance he's been given, he's taken. It's kind of really what more could he have done to get a chance at Villa. So if he doesn't get a chance at Villa, What's any young striker ever going to do to, to get a chance, if that makes sense? Because he's, he's done it all. He does, but like sometimes you just have to trust the manager. And obviously, we don't see what goes on in training. And you've had Steven Gerrard, who wanted to keep him around, but didn't play him. Um, you know, the most frustrating time would have been for him against Bolton. Archer, when he when he came on for, what, nine minutes? You know, mm. which was ridiculous. But Villa, Villa had already won the game. And, it, you know, they needed to give him more minutes, surely, in a game like that. And then you've had Emery, who's just allowed him to go straight on loan, um, as well as selling Danny Ings um, and, and saying, well, you know, we'll stick with Ollie Watkins and, and John Duran and have a look at him because we've heard good things from from the club on, on how much they've pushed to sign him, you know, and, and spent six months tracking him. So sometimes you have to trust the manager's judgment and think, well, you know, perhaps he, as harsh as he sounds, perhaps he just isn't good enough to, to, to play for Villa at this stage. But... The way I look at it, yeah, he's you know he's hit every, he's ticked every box. He's he's played, he's hit every challenge that he's been given, um, and you know the the one thing that's missing is that is is the prem, the run of Premier League games, and then goals. I remember speaking to Richard Beale, who was his old under 18s coach. Now, there weren't too many people at Villa who really fancied him at that point, Archer. Yeah, but Richard Beale left, and he and he went to Solihull Moors to be the assistant manager um, at Solihull Moors. And if you remember, it was him 
Richard Beale, who who um, who took Archer on loan for for Solly or Moores, and he had he's I think he scored four goals in what seventeen games or something like that. So the record wasn't great, but he had a couple of niggling injuries at that point and was going back and forth from Villa. So they, you know they're having to manage him. But I spoke to Beale after um, after his loan spell, and he said he was really effective in lots of the games. Um, we spoke a little bit in depth about his finishing, how good of a finish it was. Um, you know, left foot, right foot, which he's scoring for, for Middlesbrough now. You know, similar to Watkins scoring with both feet, which is a big, uh, a big trait, obviously, because it makes it harder to defend against. You know, defenders don't know which way you're going to go, etc. Um, and look, you know, he's, he's kicked on massively, I think, in 18 months, Archer. So it'd be a shame to see not get that chance. Yeah, Gazoaks makes the point that Liverpool got twenty million for Brewster. Ten to fifteen yeah. million isn't isn't really that ridiculous. I think that's a valid point. The yeah, Liverpool have Solanke as well. You know, when you went to they've made a lot of money off. They've made a lot of money Liverpool off selling players that perhaps haven't made it in the Premier. I know Solanke's playing in the Premier League now, but academy players who didn't really play for them. I don't know whether it's just because the name Liverpool, but they sold some players for big money, particularly to Bournemouth. That like it just it beats big money for people who'd, who'd done very little really. So yeah. It, I don't want him to go. I want him to... You know, that's what... The harsh reality is that's what Villa want to do as well, you know. Yes, yeah, it makes want sense. To, they, want, they want to produce players so they have an option on on either integrating them into the team. And if they're not quite good enough to integrate them into, into the team, sell them on for big money. Yeah, mate, it makes complete sense. For too many years, Villa were making nothing off selling players because no one wanted any of our players. And we were taking huge losses. Some of the money Villa spent in the championship on the likes of McCormack, Hogan, Codger... And then all those players pretty much went for nothing, as far as far as I remember. You know, you can't just keep spending money on on, on players that don't do anything for you and and losing it. You need to make money every way you can, and developing players like you say, even if they don't make it at Villa, that's a way of of making money. Uh, Michael Huggins says here, this is what Man City do. They yeah, sold Lavia Chelsea in the summer well, to yeah. Southampton. Yeah, you know, you can make it. Chelsea have sold people for 20, 25 million who've never played a game for them. Gay went to Palace for for twenty million, few loans in the Championship. It's it's a clever way to be and Villa with this they're Portuguese they're just back for hundred million in the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and then and then <laughs> have to, have to shift them on loan. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this Portuguese link up is going to be interesting. One for players going there to to develop and and being able to to send players there. That's what Man City did well with all their stable of clubs. Players have gone and played there, never played for Man City, but been sold for ten, fifteen million pounds. If you can. You can do that. It's it's a good way for, to operate. Villa have obviously got to be better in the transfer market as well because they've had maybe eighteen to, to twenty four months of not being great in the in the transfer market. The last good window they had was when they shopped in the Championship and got cash. They got Watkins. They got Emmy Martinez from, from Arsenal. You know that was the last really good window that that Villa had. So you know, yeah, Chuck Wemeka. I can't read that name. Icomix D says we sold Chuck Wemeka for a good profit. I think Villa were quite pleased in the end to make that twenty million for Carney because they'd have got very minimal money for him in in the summer, you know. So they've got that profit there. So Grealish has ended up going for a hundred million. It is yeah. developing your You've own players. Jacob, Jacob Ramsey in the team now, yeah. who's going to you know developing into a thirty forty million pound player potentially as well, isn't it? He'll be in my eyes. Jacob Ramsey at some point will play for England. So that's another yeah. international yeah, player think, that Villa hopefully yeah, he's, will have he's developed. He's certainly heading in that way, isn't he? He was, he was excellent on Saturday. You know, I haven't seen the game tonight, but he's the captain. So, you know, they think highly of him. Yeah, and, good and, to and see. If, yeah. Let's finish. I mean, we've had a trip down memory lane and then we've ended up doing a whole show about Ollie Watkins that we wanted to do. And then we've been talking about strikers for 10, 15 minutes as well. International break. 
Bad news for Villa. Matty Cash, Greg, tell us what's going on. Yeah, grade two uh, calf injury, which is you know disappointing for him. Probably going to be out for sort of two to three weeks. Definitely going to miss the next three games, um, which is a, you know a blow for him and a blow for Villa. I think because he's been in decent form. Just found um, some form. Yeah, and it looks been hard. It's been hard for the for the defenders. You know, getting used to a new way of working under Emery, and especially at the right back position because it. Cash is an attacking right back where Emery only allows he whoever plays at right back to attack in certain games. You know, that there are very specific instructions for the right back. Um, you know, the left back is always giving a lot more freedom to, to get forward. It's just Emery style. So the options that, that Villa have got, you know, obviously to the light for light replacement would be bring Ashley Young back in there. Um, or you've got the possibility of Callum Chambers, who has played at right back previously. Um, and then, you know, a slightly left field move might be to move Konza to right back, bring Diego Carlos back in at centre back when he's fit um, and play alongside Tyrone Mings. I've written about this in in, in, mm. in length today. So go and have a read on that in The Athletic. I won't go over the whole, you know, all the ins and outs of it because I've, I've written about it already. So it's all down in, in writing. Um, you stick, you stick to the back teeth of it, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, it's just easier to go and read it rather than, yeah. you know, 45 minutes into a podcast, me going over every permutation. But um, I think the obvious one is bring, bring bring Ashley Young back in for starters. You don't have to change too much of a defence that's performing really well then. If you decide to put Conza at right back and then bring Carlos in, you, you, you're, you're mixing up a defence that has kept three clean sheets in four games yeah, by changing two it, positions. Yeah. I just I feel like it'd be harsh on Konza to move into left uh, right back when he's playing well, um, and perhaps maybe a little bit of a risk to bring Carlos back in a game against Chelsea. But you know the manager will know what levels they're at, and and they did try you know the three of them in in defence um, last week against Bristol Rovers in a friendly. Yeah, I mean I won't spoil your article because obviously you want people to pay to and people do pay to to read your stuff. But you know there's a lot of games coming up in a short space of time. Obviously the Easter period, you know, you'd expect to see Carlos on the pitch. At some point in that, in those three games, potentially, I wouldn't think that the Chelsea one is the one for messing around. And that, it'd be harsh on Ashley Young as well, because you know he hasn't done. He's arguably you could you could make a case for him being Villa's Player of the Season. Really, Ashley Young, he was so good at, at, at one stage. You know, he's, he's still got it. I want to see him get another contract. In fact, let's say introduce a new segment to the podcast of what do we want Greg to ask the manager in the press conference this this week. I don't know whether you, did, you would have had a chance yet. Ollie Watkins' contract situation is definitely something that I'd, I'd like to know about. And I get yeah. that's a, I can't think of something else I was going to suggest, but I've completely forgotten what it what it was, which is great podcasting for, from me. But I can try and Ash- find out some more details. But yeah, I mean, the, you know, the manager won't give much away on that front. But they're Ash- very protective, as we know. Actually, young will start. It's it's a no, it's a no. But I think with Cash though, you interestingly just talking about his role. He hasn't actually been a right back for that long. You know, you're saying he's an attacking fullback. The guy was a winger for a, for a long, long time. He had one season at right back before he came to Villa, and now he's been playing for Villa in the Premier League at a right back and playing for Poland in the World Cup as a, as a right back. But he hasn't actually been a right back for, for that long. So it's, it's amazing, really. So, you know, it will take him a period to be to adjust to that slightly more inverted right back that, that stays in stays in his own half a bit more. Because his natural instinct is to attack Rick. To get forward, yeah. 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 And, and look, that would have been a challenge. And I've, I've spoke spoke to Cash after the Crystal Palace game where he 
got the assist to set up Watkins and he was he was given a bit more freedom in that game. But then mm. last week against Bournemouth, you know, he was told basically you got to sit back. Um, we, we need to limit the counter-attacking threat and, and look, you know, the, the the system and the formation works. You've got to, you got to trust in Emery. He certainly knows what he's doing. But for some players, it's just a little bit different adapting to it all. Um, but I think Cash was really starting to come to terms with it. So, yeah, obviously I hadn't had a chance to see him because he'd been on international duty. But um, I presume he'd be you know, gutted about missing the next three games because they're all big for him for various reasons. Chelsea, a, a great game that you want to play in. Leicester and Forest, obviously, his former team, Forest. So, hmm. disappointing he'll be. I'm sure you'll find out at the next Cash family get-together. I'm sure there'll be one coming up for you that you'll, you'll be invited to as an honorary member of the Cash family. Greg, a few people asking in the comments about, about Kamara. I guess once you've yeah. been to the press conference, you'll know more about that. Yeah, just just haven't had an update on Kamara yet. Dendonka's, um, Dendonka played in the friendly last week, so he's, he's back and available. Kamara, you know, I wrote earlier in the month that he'd be out for at least a month, that's still, um, you know, what I'm told. We'll just have to check with Emery on Friday to see if he's recovered quicker than expected. But it was always um, uh, earmarked to, to to miss these next three games anyway. So if he comes back any earlier, then it's quicker than expected. Yeah, and someone like, I've lost it now, but Kessler Hayden, because he obviously back at the club, he's a right back, isn't he? You know, would he would he yeah. come into the match day squad? He seems to have just gone completely. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's a wasted half a season for him, isn't it? Yeah, possibly. I, I, I think Villa are actually quite blessed with defenders on the on the bench to an extent. So because Chambers could play right back as well. You know, Chambers can play there. Young can play there. The, the reason they're playing with eight at the moment, uh, starting with eight on the bench, is just because there are no kids really that are you know seen as worthy of of getting into the squad. I don't think Cash picking up the injury immediately opens up uh, an opportunity for Kessler Hayden because Dendonker will just come back into the squad anyway. I feel like Kessler Hayden has lost, <clears throat> excuse me, his, his momentum, you know, these over these last few months. I think he started five games in a, the, sort of the last four or five games of Huddersfield, but they decided mm, to send did. him back. So, you know, it's, it's been disappointing for him. It'll be the key for him now is to get the right loan move set up for next summer and, and, and try and get that some of that momentum back because... Yeah, he he's, unfortunately he's gone backwards. Of that cup winning side, that youth cup winning side, it was him and Carney were the two that stood out to me as that I thought they're two that have potentially got futures. At yeah. Villa, I expected Kessler Hayden to be battling out with Cash for, for, for the right back spot by now. Based on that, based on that cup run from what I saw of yeah. it, they were the yeah. two. I watched them two in the flesh in the final. I was at that final. But them two just looked built and they they looked ready. For the for the Premier League and ready perhaps to make a claim at Villa, especially in pre-season yeah. games that, that I saw as well. Look, yeah, strange. You know, Kessler Hayden went to Swindon, did very well. I mean, been playing against Man City and yeah, you know, they were impressed with him. He moved to MK Dons, went up a level, playing in you know the, the League Two, uh, League, League Two to League One, and then he got the Championship move. And Huddersfield are just a bit of a mess, aren't they? So you know, sometimes you just get the get the wrong move. It didn't quite work out for him. Um, perhaps if he'd have gone to another club, he, his momentum might have continued. So these things happen in football. It's hard when you're a lone player and you keep moving around. It's, you know, it's difficult. Yeah, there's obviously a few from that side out and about on loan at the moment. Greg, thank you ever so much for joining me. I think that does us. Thanks to everyone in the chat as well for joining in. Hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast, something a little bit different. Let us know in the comments where you think Ollie Watt sits in terms of Aston Villa's Premier League strikers. Be interesting to see what some of you come up with in the comments. Thanks to listening. So thanks to listening. Thanks for listening. However you've done it. Thanks for watching. If you've done that, remember we are on Spotify as well. So we 
thank you for listening via that method if you are doing it via that method we have the stato preview and the match preview on the villa view later on in the week keep your eyes peeled to our socials and we'll let you know when they are coming thanks to neil neil dunworth for stepping in and producing the last minute while producer adam baked a cake we really appreciate you coming in and did a good job as well unexplained why the first graphic didn't work but he recovered the important thing is greg when you make a mistake you bounce back from it and Neil bounced back and got the rest of the graphics on the screen. So well done to Neil. Yeah, have a good rest of the week. We'll see you in the next few days on the Villa View of the Villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.